0: Hi everyone in today's episode i'm talking with an amazing woman named dana she is a victim of abuse and i really wanted to invite you to listen closely for her subconscious programming as she shares her story with us today if you've been a follower of mine and listening for a while you've heard me talk about subconscious programming a lot and i really want to remind you that it's something that's getting formed in us from birth up to about eight or nine years old and we continue to make choices from that programming because those choices make us feel safe and loved even if it's not something that's healthy so i just wanted to give you that reminder That these choices again are coming from the subconscious not at a conscious level and I thought it would be fun for you to sort of listen closely to see if you can identify her subconscious programming because she does talk about it but she doesn't talk about it in the way that I normally would and I hope you find that little tip helpful and I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the business of inner peace. I'm your host Erin Jean and I'm so glad you're here. Let's pretend we're sitting in my living room, enjoying a cup of coffee or tea and getting to know each other just a little better. That's what I love. I love getting to hear your story. I love feeling connected by the spirit of understanding that our stories bring. Today, I'm sharing some of my story, but I hope someday soon you'll be telling me yours. Listen, I know that you're feeling overwhelmed with life and nothing is exactly how you'd like it to be. Your marriage is not what you hoped for, motherhood is harder than you imagined, and you've lost yourself somewhere in the mix of responsibilities. Well, if you're ready to bring some more peace and joy into your life, reconnect with God who made you, and start living a life you love, then grab your cup of coffee, or tea, and let's dive into today's show. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of The Business of Inner Peace. Today, I have the absolute pleasure to be sitting and chatting with Miss Dana S. Diaz. She studied journalism and psychology at DePaul University. And obviously there is no better teacher than life experience. So Dana has had lifelong experiences with narcissistic abuse. And her education did give her the ability to accurately verbalize and express how narcissistic abuse creates confusion and conflict within victims. But today, Dana is the proud voice for fellow victims who are unable, afraid, or ashamed to share their experiences. And she strives to create awareness and understanding to ensure that victims are given the support they need to first understand their situation and then begin the healing process. Her first book chronicling her own abusive marriage that lasted nearly three decades. It started as a journal that she hid under the couch cushion in the basement. And now here she is today to just share with us her expertise and experience and really offer encouragement and support for the victims out there. So welcome, Dana.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. I am. Absolutely love stories. And I know that as humans, we connect so well to stories. Data, would you be willing to just tell us your story of how you got right here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It is an unfortunate story, but I like to think that we learn and grow from our experiences, especially the bad ones. So I'm hoping my experiences can help other people understand theirs and maybe get out of them before, Uh, it's much sooner than I did. But my story actually started before I was born and I am actually currently working on that book that will come out next summer about my childhood Um, because it is very important to understand my mindset going into that relationship where I, I mean, honestly, I guess I allowed and submitted to the abuse. Um, But it started before I was born I was born to a teenage mother. She didn't want me. The family asked her to keep me because I was gonna be the only granddaughter and great granddaughter. They were not gonna have me raised by um, strangers. Um, But my mother kept emotional and even physical detachment from me throughout my whole childhood. And when she did get married, my stepfather wanted me even less than my mother did. So he physically and verbally abused me. And you know, There's a lot there. The physical abuse, unfortunately, I have to say, didn't affect me as much. It didn't feel good. It was the verbal abuse that ensued throughout my entire childhood that started, I would say, maybe when I was about five or six is the earliest I can remember, was daily telling me nobody ever wanted me your mother doesn't even love you you're a burden you're a bother you're incompetent you're incapable he would even tell me i was fat and i'm talking like i was six seven years old eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch and he was telling me it was going to make me fat and that my hips were going to widen like a middle-aged woman it was disgusting and vile but unfortunately as much as i felt that and how wrong it was. And I stood up for myself, standing up for myself, got me beat or slapped or hit with something um, on the low end. And it it just, there was no escape from it. There was no walking out. And the worst part is I internalized all of that. So come to the point where I'm 18 years old, legally an adult, I'm out of there. I am never gonna let anyone treat me that way. My mother clearly doesn't want to take up for me, fight for me, defend me, protect me. I feel like an orphan in the world. But the the more important thing to hear here is that I was starving for love. Somebody needed to love me so that I could feel like I was supposed to be here because I was struggling at that point with why am I even here? Am I just supposed to be here for people to crap all over me? The the codependency, now that I look back, I was codependent. I was a people pleaser. I was love starved. I, w- I was like that little puppy that you're dangling a treat in front of. And that treat for me was love and affection. I needed to feel worthy and deserving. I needed somebody to make me feel that way. Because in my head, I thought I needed that outwardly. And so I meet a boy, reminds me of my abusive stepfather, can't stand him, don't like him. He seems arrogant, aloof, couldn't be bothered with me. Clearly, he didn't care for me either. But then a week or two later, he shows interest. And I didn't want to pursue him, but I was so lonely. I was honestly desperate. You know, I was young. I I was, you know, just going on 19. So I, I just wanted somebody to give me something you know, to make me feel worthy. And he did for about a week. <laughs> and then all those things we call the red flags, you know, the the angry outbursts and throwing things at me and blaming me and just the the seething anger that he lived like with a chip on his shoulder. But everything, even things that had nothing to do with me were my fault. But what did I do? I excused it. I enabled it. I turned into my mother, basically, turned my head to it. Oh, maybe he was in a bad mood. Maybe he had a bad day. Maybe I should be careful not to do this or say that and provoke, you know, this this other side of him. Um, there was definitely a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde aspect, and I never knew what I was going to get. But, you know, a lot of people say, well, then why didn't you leave? If you saw all these signs, why didn't you leave? Well, one, I was used to it. I didn't know anything other than that. And, you know, back to my childhood, my mother would often tell me that my father, my stepfather mistreated me because he loved me so much. He just cared that much that he loved me and was angry with me to the same extent as each other. And it was a a really cruel thing to put into a, a girl's head, you know, to think that, okay, if I'm not being abused, then I'm not loved but there were boys, you know, before that, that asked me out that were nice and they were boring to me. I didn't know what to do with that. I only knew chaos and the chaos that ensued for the next 25 years, um, through marriage, through having a child together was this constant push and pull. He loved me sometimes and he hated me sometimes. And when he loved me, I, I was on top of the world. It was great. We'd laugh together. We, we'd, you know, have amazing, you know, interactions, you know, with our families and with friends. And just there were a lot of good times. And he was very affectionate. But, oh, my gosh, when he hated me, we got to the point at the end of our marriage where he actually wanted to kill me. He actually admitted to other people that he was planning to kill me. He was getting more violent as time went on. And once we got to the end of everything and we had some domestic violence situations, even after the divorce, I couldn't even understand how we got from point A to point B because punching a hole in the drywall, that's one thing, but swinging a crowbar at my head and shooting a gun (laughs) are completely different things. But what I realized was that in the midst of that time together, he was pushing the bounds every time. So why did I stay? There were a million reasons why I stayed. But what I realized was that every time he was, let's just say, unpleasant or mistreated me, it was just a little worse than the last time because he knew he could get away with what he had done before. Because it teetered, it always seemed to teeter on the edge of I don't like it, it's not acceptable, but is this a deal breaker? But little by little he just pushed my bounds even further and further out so that I wasn't phased by how much worse it was getting as time went on. So, you know, it, it it's a terrible thing to be in, but The worst part of it was at the end, I actually got very sick, dwindled down to 93 pounds. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't move. I could barely even tear toilet paper off the roll to take care of myself. And in my early to mid forties, I shouldn't have those issues. I, I ran five miles every day. I coached cross country, ate healthy. I was not in that type of a situation where I should have these problems. And it turned out that I was diagnosed with autoimmunity And a rare lung syndrome that's like having COPD and fibromyalgia that is caused by the doctor called it chronic stress. But it's because of the cortisol, the stress hormone that was running through my body at such high rates and for so long um, that it caused all these physical problems that I will deal with the rest of my life. Um, But the irony is, is that after everything has been, you know, the dust settled after even after the divorce and after everything that happened. And it's amazing how much different my life is. Health-wise, most importantly, and mentally, of course, but um, physically, I haven't had to use my oxygen machine in over a year. I don't have panic attacks like I used to. I don't have all these symptoms like I used to and those autoimmune flares. I'm doing well and I've gained my weight back and I don't look like a Halloween decoration anymore. So, you know, it... It's just really important to me that people understand, um, you know, that these toxic relationships, they can do so much more damage, not just mentally and, you know, physically, but it affects your entire life and it could affect the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I was in a verbally and an abusive marriage as well, a little bit different. I'm still married to the same man and we're both completely different people. But I relate to so much of what you're sharing. I experienced a lot of what you're talking about. And I think the one of the hardest parts for me was friends and family when I finally got brave enough to share anything. Um, they just didn't really understand and didn't know what to do. Did you experience that same type of thing or were you never willing to tell anyone?
1: I was in a weird situation with that because my ex did the typical narcissistic thing of isolating me. He moved me 90 miles away from my family, my friends. Um, And then you have that added little nugget of the fact that my mother and stepfather had not exactly been very kind or, you know, in my childhood. So my relationship, even though I had still had communication with them during my marriage. Um, It was minimal. It was not such that I could go to my mother. I did try a couple of times, but she was very dismissive and uncaring and and unsoothing. It was pointless. So I really felt like I was on my own and I was monitored so highly. He would check my phone. He would prohibit me from talking on the phone or texting in the house. I He prevented me from seeing friends outside of the house. So I was very limited. Um, there were people, I would go to church every Sunday, which he fought me on going to church every Sunday morning. There was a fight, but that is the one thing that I was allowing myself. Um, but at church, there were people. There were a couple um, elderly ladies that noticed you know, that I always seemed sort of sad or melancholy and and they sensed something was wrong. But I never really divulged much because what is there to say? Plus I had, you know, my ex had created this narrative. I don't know what it is with narcissists that like to tell everybody that you're crazy. I mean, I know they're trying to discredit you in case you ever do share, but I hadn't realized the extent to which he had created this narrative about me outside of the house um so i was afraid i mean he was telling everybody that i was bipolar and mentally unstable to to the point that i started to believe i actually was bipolar and i'm thinking that oh my gosh i'm taking care of our son and like i got to make sure i'm you know able to do that from a mental and and physical place of you know as good health as I can be in that I went to the psychiatrist and I'm like, I think I'm bipolar. And I answered all his questions based on what my ex had told me. I came home with two prescriptions for bipolar disorder that basically numbed me for the next, you know, however, what was it? 17 years or so I was on those medications because they turned me into an unfeeling zombie, but outside the house, I was not brave enough to really tell anybody I maybe made hints you know, suggested insinuated things here and there, maybe to a coworker now and then. But so people knew that I wasn't happy in my marriage, but nobody had any idea of what was really going on and and certainly not family. I mean, we really only engaged with his family. He had no desire to engage with mine. Um, but his family to this day, even, um, you know, one member of his family that I'm aware of uh, reached out to me after reading my book, which was a little uncomfortable. um, But I felt safe with this particular person because we'd had a, you know, an amicable background um, with each other. And, you know, her, she just said that she feels bad and she believes me, which, which is what, a victim or a survivor needs. We need to be believed because nobody nobody would believe us. I wouldn't even believe somebody that would have come to me and said that my ex was doing all these things to them. But she also said that it was you know not that, that the family that knew what I had written that they didn't believe that he did do all those things or that he was capable of doing any of those things and that maybe I really was as mentally unstable and lying about, you know, like as some act of vengeance and it wasn't at all. And I just have to stand in my own truth and stand in my own ground and and I know what's what because as you mentioned in the introduction. That book came from a journal that I kept because I was being gaslighted. I was being, my life was being dictated to me and all of my experiences when I, when I expressed any part of them or any opinion about them were being negated. So I started keeping the journal because I was afraid one, he was going to do something to me, make it look like an accident and nobody would know that it was him. And two I needed to know for myself you know what was what when he would say I didn't say that that never happened I would go back and look through the pages and see okay on this date at this time I wrote down that this is what happened so I needed to keep my brain in check and and I'm not I'm not any bit of the crazy that that he said but everybody else likes to believe Um, what they want, you know, and it's very unfortunate that even independent minded and very intelligent people will believe, you know, straight up baloney, if presented with it, I think people like drama and gossip, and, and they want to, you know, it's like a soap opera, sometimes life is. And so it's really sad for people like us that are trying to we need somebody to believe us we need somebody to validate us because that gives us strength and that gives us you know the courage to keep moving forward whether it's staying in that relationship or taking steps to get out of it but um it was hard it was really hard to keep that all in
0: yeah absolutely i'm looking back and thinking about my own situation um the people that did believe me were frustrated because i stayed and i think that maybe as someone who's trying to be supportive to a victim that can be um one of the hardest parts about it what advice would you have for someone who really is trying to be supportive to a victim
1: i think the first and foremost thing is to listen without judgment um, people do, I, I know they say like, you have a judgment of somebody within seconds of meeting them. I don't know about that. You know, I, I, I believe it, but you know, I think we don't need to hear things like, when are you going to leave him? Cause I was told that, or when are you going to get out of that marriage? When are you going to get a divorce? We don't need any more pressure. We feel it already. We just need somebody to listen and say, I believe you. Because you know what, (laughs) you know, this is going a little bit on a tangent, but I live in a small town and there's a gal that everybody talks about that does have some, you know, mental health issues. And she talks to a stop sign in town and she tells people it's her best friend and people make fun of her. They judge her. They call her crazy. I look at her and I think, thank God for that stop sign thank God she can talk to that stop sign and tell it how she feels and what she's going through and whatever it is that she needs to get out and that she thinks it's her best friend and her confidant because what if that stop sign weren't there? And so that's kind of how I feel about people in situations like this is, you know, how about we just have compassion? Whether you believe it or not, If somebody else believes that, if that is their perception of their reality, have some compassion for that. And sometimes you don't need to say anything. We don't need a commentary. We already have it in our head. We're already frustrated with ourselves about why we haven't left and why we can't leave and all the reasons holding us back. There's so many reasons and things that we have to think about out. We want out. We Who wants to be in a situation where they're abused? Nobody. But we don't need other people pressuring us when we're hard enough on ourselves. We just need somebody to be there. So it's little things to me. One, believe that that person believes it, even if you don't. Don't judge the person. Don't pressure them with silly questions like, why are you going to leave? And, and when are you going to get out of this? And I think sometimes, too, people don't realize how soothing just a simple hug is or putting your hand on somebody's shoulder or putting your hand over theirs just to let them know you're there. Because what we need is strength. We need to know that there's somebody watching, that somebody sees us in a way that nobody else, everybody else is walking by and living their lives. We just want to be seen and heard. But we can't, we we have to do it in a silent and very inconspicuous manner manner, so it's not detected because if the abuser thinks that they're getting exposed, well, then there's consequences. And how much more uh, courage will that victim have to have to come forward and confide in somebody the next time? So, you know, it's a very delicate subject, a, a delicate thing to deal with. But the other thing too, and I think it's part of what I try to do is just putting information out there. You know, I I just had bookmarks made up for my book, but the back of them simply says, "If, if you are in an unsafe domestic violence situation, if you are being abused, here's a number that you can call. It's an 800 number. Little things like that, making sure people have that information, let them know that you're there, let them know that you're willing to help them. And you don't have to have an opinion or a judgment on their situation. It just could be simply, if there's anything I can do,
0: let me know. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just if people around you, too, can try to, in an inconspicuous way, share some of that information with you, because I remember being, you know, when someone shared with me the domestic violence support that was local, um, that actually was really helpful for me, and I loved the the name of it was actually like a woman's name, and so I could have it without anyone really realizing what it truly was, um, on my phone, and that was a beginning for me to start identifying behaviors, and I think that that, you know, that can be helpful because it's kind of like the first step when you say is starting to identify for yourself what's really going on.
1: Right. I agree a hundred percent because I think a lot of it too, as many reasons as I had to leave and I wanted to leave for 15 years, it took me 15 years, but nobody is going to do anything that they're not comfortable with and until they are ready to do it. And people have to understand that and pressuring somebody is not going to make something happen any faster. We have to, we have to do things on our own time and, and in our own way, Um, so that we can do it safely. But yeah, I I agree. I do the same thing with my social media. I tell people just follow, you know, because I do get people that approach me, you know, knowing about my book and the content, but it's not safe for them to have a book that's talking about narcissistic abuse or any kind of abuse, you know, but they can follow me on Facebook. They can follow me on Instagram because I post that content, like those phone numbers that people might need or little quotes or tidbits we even post funny stuff sometimes because sometimes you just need to laugh you just need a little chuckle but it's really important to have the information there in a safe manner like you said like nobody would guess it's just a Facebook friend or whatever it is but the information is there and when that person is ready when they are ready to pick up the phone or to you know release themselves of that situation they will do it and there are a lot of ways to do it. I know in our small town here, you know, I knew my my priest at my church could sense something, you know, was going on. Um so he would do things like, "Oh, would you come volunteer at the soup kitchen, you know, one Thursday a month?" And I went because, you know, it was a nice thing to do and I actually been, came with because of course he looked good doing it even though he's an atheist, but you know, I was like, "Oh, this is nice that you know, the church serves all these homeless people once a month. They have a dinner to come to and other churches are doing it. And oh, you know, so the, at the school, because my son went to, you know, a private Catholic uh, school in our area, you know, if you need any clothes for your son, you know, any, but any clothes that children have grown out of, we keep them here. And I was like, oh, duly noted. I can come here and get, free clothes for my kids. Like kids grow so fast and they always need something. So why not? You know, so little things like that. And even, you know, people that approach me and say, oh, my niece is going through this or so-and-so, I need to give your book to them. Nobody's going to read a 400-some page book. I mean, I've heard it's a page turner, but nobody's going to read it and think, oh yeah, I'm suddenly going to, you know, just leave my husband with my four kids and my two dogs and it's not realistic, but somebody listening to this podcast might go on there, share it real quick in a text and say, hey, if you have, you know, 30 minutes, listen to this on your way to work or whatever, or when you have a minute while you're folding laundry, then maybe something will resonate. So there's little ways you can get through to people without being offensive or judgmental or pushy, you know, but just to make sure they get the
0: information that they need. Yeah, absolutely. I love so much what you're doing and I love how brave you are. Um, what where would you like to just send our listening audience to for some resources?
1: Absolutely. I always refer everybody to my website danasdiaz.com. It's D A N A S D I A Z.com. Links to the Facebook and Instagram are on there if anyone wants to check it out or follow me. And then this podcast and any others I've been on are on my press room page. So feel free to share them if you think one of them might help uh, somebody that you know. And certainly, you know, reach out to me by email as well. If anybody needs additional resources or has questions, I am more than happy to direct you the best way that I know how so that you can get the help that you need i love that
0: do you have a message of hope that you want to give to someone that's just listening that's maybe in this situation
1: i do um you know i i've been there i've been there twice i've been there as as a child and as an adult um what i will tell you is this is i didn't start loving myself until my mid-40s it took getting sick and realizing that my life was worth more Than the life that I was being held down to, but then I realized that I was the one actually binding myself to those circumstances. And when I realized that I was the one that had the power to unhook that hypothetical leash that I thought my ex had on me, it was amazing how much different my life changed when I finally got out. So I just want everyone to know that I've been there, but you have the power in you to change your life. And it is a much,
0: much nicer life on the other side. Yeah, a thousand percent. I resonate with that so much because I remember waiting for someone to save me. I really was. And the person I was waiting for was me. I, the only person truly that could save me, you know, obviously God for me is a big piece of this. But there wasn't really anything that anybody could do. Um, it it took me deciding that I wanted a different life, and um, I started out on that path. So, that what you are saying is so so true. And life is good. <laughs> life has changed, yeah. and life is good. Um, I really want to. I am feeling prompted just to end today in a different way than I normally do. I'd really like to just you and I offer up a prayer for any woman that is listening that's in this situation and just hope that it blesses her today. That'd be okay with you. That would be amazing. Awesome. Dear God, I just, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the chance to connect with Dana and to hear her story. Thank you for her bravery and all that she's been willing to share and be so vulnerable about both here and in her book. I pray specifically for that one woman that's out there today listening, that's in a difficult situation, whether it be an abusive friendship, an abusive work situation, or an abusive marriage, Lord, I just ask that you would open up her eyes to see the truth of what's happening and give her the strength to take just the next step forward, just one tiny step on getting some help and support so that she doesn't have to live life this way would you remind her that life is intended to be lived with joy and happiness and it's not your plan for her to suffer so bless 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 that woman out there and thank you god for all you do for us amen Amen. i hope you enjoyed today's episode If you're feeling blessed by the content here, the number one way you can show me is by leaving me a written review of the show. I'd be forever grateful. Knowing that you're out there listening helps me know that I'm truly living out God's purpose in my life. The other thing you can do is take a screenshot of this episode, share it with a friend, or better yet, tag me on your Instagram stories. Remember, you are seen, known, and loved. May God richly bless you today. All my love, Erin Jean.